Hello and welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Happy Spring Anime 2021 season, everyone. Uh, sorry this episode's going up a little bit late. My parents are visiting uh, for the first time since the pandemic started, since we all got fully vaccinated. So that's one reason to celebrate. But another reason to celebrate, uh, just as we thought that winter 2021 would be the anime season to end all anime seasons, we've got another season jam-packed full of amazing shows. Uh, perhaps none of the, you know, uh, hype fest that is the adaptation of Attack on Titan or a bunch of familiar popular sequels, but nevertheless, there were a many, multitude, of, multitude of really interesting shows to check out, um, and we got to get to all of them, so let's hurry up. Uh, now, normally with 55 series to get through, you know, I want to hop in to make the most of my time. Uh, however, I do have to take a moment to pause and celebrate that we just hit one full year on the podcast with this 25th episode. That's right, my very first episode for this show was uh, spring 2020 anime season uh, first looks, uh, just as COVID was hitting and delaying all of the shows. Uh, so that's one year down for the books. Uh, doing this show has definitely reinvigorated my love for anime uh, in a time when a lot of people may have been lukewarm on the medium. So for that, I'm thankful. And of course, I'm thankful to you, dear listener, whether you've listened to every episode I've put out or whether this is your first episode. I may not have the hu- biggest following out there by, en- by any means, but it's still nice to check in once in a while and you know, see that someone, even if they're just friends who see me spam my social media with episode links, uh, are downloading and listening. Uh, with that sappy stuff out of the way, let's get to it. Uh, as always, I'm going by the first episode of each show that is legally available for streaming here in the States and giving my impression on whether I'm dropping the show if I need maybe one or two more episodes to make a decision and the last option being maybe I'm just all in for the ride. Uh, my target number of shows is usually somewhere in the 12 to 15 range, though uh, we may get there via attrition over the long run as opposed to just cutting it off uh, from the get-go um, and see where I naturally gravitate to and which ones I'm just not as interested in keeping up with. Uh, these reviews will mostly be spoiler-free uh, unless you know being able to describe the content and premise of the show requires spoilers to hook you, uh, in which case I'll give you a warning. So the first batch of shows I want to talk about are those I actually haven't seen the first episodes of, uh, which seems odd, but there's a reason. The majority of simulcasting in the States is either through Funimation or Crunchyroll. Uh, Netflix has been stepping up their game, though, in terms of picking up licenses for new shows, as well as produce, helping produce new shows. Um, as more experienced anime fans know, this usually means that those shows will be locked in Netflix jail as they wait for the series to complete before being released simultaneously worldwide with both sub and dub, as well as, as opposed to simulcasting casting each week, uh, sub only. Uh, there are a number of shows this, so this season that affects this, that's affected by this. Uh, now, some of these actually have already had the drop, uh, but I won't be talking to them again because I didn't have time to just uh, watch any of them just yet. Uh, also, since I tend to go by my anime list, some of these, you know, some things that Netflix markets as anime are actually not going to end up on my anime list, no matter how anime-inspired they are. Uh, in any case, the Netflix shows for this season are... Uh, Pacific Rim The Black, one of those that's not listed on Mal, uh, but this one dropped uh, last, I believe, March 4th. Uh, so technically, I guess a winter or so, but you know, I, I didn't see anyone talking about it that much. Uh, Godzilla Singular Point, uh, this one is stuck in Netflix jail, um, though I think they announced it's going to be coming out uh 
toward the end uh, of the season, uh, maybe like in June or July. Um, Dota's Dragon Blood, again, another one not on this on my anime list, but this one dropped for fans of MOBAs uh, on March 25th. Uh, Salmon King, this one's stuck in Netflix jail, and I'm super hyped, as many people are for this one. Uh, I never got to watch the original anime, but I love the original manga, uh, so definitely looking forward to whenever this comes out on Netflix to, to catch up. Um, let's see, we have Way of the House Husband, which dropped five episodes on April 8th. It's most in comic style, not a lot of animation, which has led to some uh, controversy. Um, that said, they did announce a second sequel, a second part to this anime, um, and you know I did love the original source material, so I will at least give this the first episode a check. Um, we have Yasuke, uh, which is that uh, anime about uh, a black sam- the black samurai historical figure um, in the world of mechs, uh, produced by Lasan Thompson and voiced by Lakeith Stanfield in the English sub uh, or English dub. Um, this one's not yet released, but all six episodes will be dropping April 29th. Um, we have Eden Zero, which is stuck in Netflix jail. Uh, this one's from the mangaka of Fairy Tail and Wave Master. Um, I read some of this manga, not all of it, but you know I'd be willing to give this a shot. I've heard pretty good things about it, favorably compared, you know, better than uh, than Fairy Tail was. So um, you know, again, stuck in Netflix jail for the determinable future. And then finally, we have Revenge of Ragnarok, aka Sumatsu no Valkyrie. This one is a ways off, but Netflix has announced a June global release date, uh, which would still make technically a spring release. Um, again, I love the manga for this one love mythology in general so super looking forward to this uh, again, I'll probably be doing another episode of anime you should watch on Netflix uh, in the future hopefully so you know that these will make it onto that episode. Uh, moving on, I also just want to note those so continuing on for last season that are that are you know uh, second halves of, of two core seasons. Uh, if you've been following along, you know what the deal is here. Um, if not, you know you definitely shouldn't be hopping in just now. Uh, listen to my last episode for my takes on why I'm keeping up with these and whether or not they're worth keeping up uh, starting in the first place. Uh, we have the Spider Isekai coming out Fridays on Crunchyroll, uh, Back Arrow coming out Fridays on Funimation, D4 DJ Petite Mix, uh, the Sword series comes out Fridays on YouTube. Um, also, it's again a sort and should be wrapping up in the next couple of weeks or so, hopefully leading into the mobile release game of the D4DJ franchise. Uh, we have the Maiko-san uh, anime with uh, Kyo in Kyoto, um, the cute, comfy you know shows about cooking and geishas, um, which comes out once a month uh, at the end of the month on Crunchyroll. Uh, and then finally, Wonder Egg Priority. Technically, you know the main series has completed according to my anime list, but the plot wasn't fully resolved, and I kind of stopped uh, midway through the season. Uh, waiting until that this final episode will be coming out to wrap up all the loose ends. Uh, this is coming out on June 29th, so uh, looking forward to that uh, and catching up then. Um, now, you know, that's all the continuations from last season. Uh, let's move on to sequels and or spinoffs. Uh, some of these I've seen and will be continuing on of the first season, from the first season. Others I haven't and haven't had time to catch up before getting uh, to this season, so I'm not going to be following up with them. Uh, and some I've seen, uh, but uh, the first season of, but you know, I'm choosing to just drop and not follow up with afterwards. Uh, so first up, Boku no Hero Academia Season 5 is probably the big, highest profile show of the sequels, being a super popular Sonin Jump anime adaptation. Uh, there's not much to say here since there are like 88 episodes at this point and a couple of movies uh, going all the way back to 2016. So if you're not on this train already, uh, this you're going to be super lost if you try to hop in. So just get in from there. It's a pretty decent uh, Sonin series. Um, and, you know, I always feel like I say this, but this uh, this season has some of my favorite arcs coming up. But, you know, when I remember the manga, I can't help but, you know, feel it's just generally solid all around. This is one of the longest running series in Jump at this point. Uh, anyway, I'll be looking forward to this one coming out Saturdays on Crunchyroll. Uh, 
Now, back in 2018 in fall, there was a so-called SSSS, SSSS, so four S's, SSSS Gridman that was an homage to the 90s tokusatsu series Gridman, the hyper agent known in the States as Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, Cyber with an S. Uh, this was produced, this anime was produced by Studio Trigger in collaboration with Tsubuya Raya Productions, the originators of the original Gridman series, as well as the creators of Ultraman. Now, the studio, team at Studio Trigger behind the mecha anime, uh, or really anything at this point, but especially mecha, you know I'm there no matter what. And as it turned out, in Trigger Fashion, Gridman actually was a fairly compelling mystery and psychological narrative beyond the punchy-punchy robot, robots fighting kaiju stuff. Um, in any case, SSSS Dinozenon isn't a sequel per se, but one, they've confirmed it's going to take place in the same universe, and two, has all of the same vibes, just an eerie, unsettling quality that things aren't quite right in the world and with some of the protagonists, uh, which is probably going to be unwrapped over the course of the series as, again, giant mecha fight giant kaiju in glorious trigger action fashion. Uh, what's not to love? Uh, SSSS Dinozenon can be found in all its dino mecha goodness, Fridays on Funimation. Now, last season, we saw the continued return adventures of Rimuru Tempest and Friends in the second season of The Time I Reincarnated as a Slime. Now, that season is technically not yet complete just yet, but it's being run as a split core, where half the episodes run during the winter and the other half later this summer, uh, with the spring season being a break. Or it would be, but... 8-bit Studio 8-Bit are actually working on a spin-off series, The Slime Diaries, uh, presumably with a different team within the studio so they get a head start on the animation for the second core. Um, there are some character model differences between this and the main series that are definitely apparent in, in telling them apart. Uh, now, one of the parts of the main series I really loved is the Age of Empire style world building as Rimuru and friends expand their domain and make new friends. However, for the sake of the adaptation and moving the plot along, especially in the most recent seasons, a lot of the world building has been pushed aside, um, as well as some of the side characters, which is the same. So, Slime Diaries is a way for the team to expand on that world slice of lifestyle, as well as revisit some of those you know, side characters. Um, I anticipate they'll be akin to the OVAs we saw that aired between seasons 1 and 2, um, and if anything, deepen our emotional connection to the characters, uh, making the events of the main series have that much more impact. Um, as with last season, Slime Diaries is on Crunchyroll every Tuesday. Now, in recent seasons, I've been trying to play around with the idol show genre, trying to find about what about them might hook me and what might push me away. Um, I think I found that with la after last season's idly pride and the prior season's dropout idol futard, that I really like idol shows that are some kind of some kind of subversion of the typical idol affair, whether it be by having some non-standard girls try out to be idols or some other twist, perhaps in the musical genre, which D4DJ kind of is like an idol show. Um, now, that doesn't mean they can't play some parts of it straight, um, but having strong personalities of the individual characters of the girls off the bat that don't fall into cookie-cutter molds um, will definitely get me a long way to buying into the more earnest elements of the idol genre that might otherwise, you know, if it was played purely straight, might not be as interesting for me. Now, I hadn't seen the first season of Zombieland Saga when it originally aired in 2018, which somehow I missed, even though it was the same season as uh, Gridman. I don't know how I did that, but in any case, I knew by reputation it would kind of be an idol show for people who normally don't like idol shows, aka me. Uh, with its second season airing this season, I took one evening this week and binged through all 12 episodes, and boy, I'm glad that I did. Uh, I could probably go even longer on why... Uh, it worked for me beyond you know what I've already laid out, but there's not enough time today. Here we have other anime to get through. Uh, suffice to say, not only am I now listening to friends who choose eyeball album as I work on Spotify. Um, I'm actually watching Zombieland Saga Revenge this season uh, every Thursday on Crunchyroll. 
Now, those are all the sequels I'm watching this season. There are a couple of others that I'm passing on. Um, as I mentioned, a couple others I won't be for w watching for one reason or another are uh, Megalobox Season 2. I just never watched the first season. Um, I keep on meaning to. Maybe I'll take a, like Zombieland Saga a day to just watch the entire season and uh, then watch, and then catch up uh, with Season 2. Um we have Marasimita uh, Season 2, uh, Irumakun. Uh, I haven't fully caught up. I watched the first episode when I did my Isekai episode a couple episodes ago. Um, this one feels like a Saturday morning cartoon type of show with not like a ton of stakes. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm ever going to fully catch up to this. Uh, thirdly, we have a card, va card Fight Vanguard Overdress. Now, this is not strictly a sequel, as the Card Fight Vanguard series, talking, tell, you know, the it's a card game anime, you know, meant to sell the product, kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh! is to some degree. Um, but, you know, this is a soft reboot, not with the main cast that has been for the last, what, 10 years at this point? Um, that said, this is a notable adaptation for a couple of reasons. One, Clamp, of Card Captain Sakura fame, is working on the character designs here, and two, there's actually some really legit sakuga happening in the last quarter of the first episode uh which is a surprise which there's a surprisingly low amount of card game being played in this card game anime and that being said as someone who has zero knowledge of exactly how the card game uh works um even if there's only very little card game going on because they use it for key emotional moments in the story i'm just not able to really resonate and say hey what i gotta do this type like hey what's going on um magic the gathering uh, anime when um in any case uh you know as much as i love the animation here um, i'm gonna have to pass this because i'm just not gonna be able to follow and enjoy the story at all uh let, next up we have demon the demon lord east guy how to not summon the demon lord Second season, no plans on catching up this one with this isekai. Um, it's generally, I think, considered a, kind of like a trashy isekai all around. I don't have time for that. Um, let's see, we have a Food Baskets finale season. Um, again, haven't been keeping up, keeping up with the past season, so no need to check up with the finale just yet. Uh, Moriarty no Patriot. Now, if you remember a few seasons back, um, I actually dropped this first season, um, you know, a few episodes in, so would it make sense for me to be following along with the second season? Uh, and then Kingdom season three. Again, like with uh, Food Basket, have not watched the first couple of seasons, so cannot be following up with the, fi with the third season here. Uh, moving on, last season, one of the biggest surprises was in the Swords category with Poi Poi Mulcar. Now, this season, there's only one new Swords series, Gloomy the Naughty Grizzly. It's only one minute a week, um, and it's some sort of unholy mass-up of all those cute pet swords I've been watching, like Inutoneko, uh, mixed with the hyper-violent flash animation of my childhood, Happy Tree Friends. Not sure what's going on uh, to get, and, and, and if anyone's going to appreciate that, that reference I made, but suffice to say, this one has a bit of, a, of gory dark humor involved under the bright pink exterior. At only a minute uh, uh, per Monday on Crunchyroll, I can certainly spare the time to have that, that quick chuckle. Alright, now onto the full-length feature shows that are new. I figured the best way to do this would be to group shows by category and genre, at least how I have them organized in my head. Uh, part of this is that, if, that if there are categories where there are a lot of similar shows of varying quality, that kind of helps me figure out which ones are actually going to give me the experience I want from that particular genre and which ones are worth passing on. Uh, or essentially lesser versions of the other shows. Now, the first category is what I call the enthusiast category. Uh, now, I originally meant 
I originally had eight shows in this category, but in reality, five of them are sports anime, which means I'm going to have them be their own subcategory. Um, but enthusiast shows are actually some of my favorite in anime in general. They focus on one hyper-specific niche or hobby and explores it in depth. Um, in some, you know, in some cases, like this one saw a while back about you know academic quiz bowl, uh, it's something that I can personally resonate with and enjoy. But more likely than not, is I'm actually not familiar with the subject matter in question, and it's a way for me to learn more about what other people are passionate about, um, often especially if the mangaka is, you know, uh, a, a fan of that within the source material. Now, I'm not, it's not super high stakes uh, usually or in super intense, but, you know, more often the relaxing end of things. Um, last season, I categorized Eurocamp in this field with their enthusiasm, of course, being about camping. Um, in fact, many cute girls doing cute things, those tend to fall into this category. Uh, two of the three I actually checked out this season are like this. Uh, the first of those is Yakunara Mug Cup Mo, or Let's Make a Mug 2. Um, this cute girls doing pottery things, uh, specifically pottery originating from the Tajimi city in Gifu Prefecture, um, which, you know, these shows tend to end, to end up being sort of uh, tourism advertising in and of themselves. Um, apparently, the tourism board of Tajimi city is helping out with this anime. Honestly, I don't think there's much more to say about that. It's you know, a very similar vibe to Eurocamp, uh, with relative newcomer to the hobby in question ends up falling in love with it and makes friends along the way. Um, now, this is going to slot nicely into my so that I watch to relax um, vibe. On top of that, it's actually technically a sort, um, with episodes running only 14 minutes. Uh, the other nine minutes are actually the voice actresses of the main cast doing a tourist the tourist promotion thing, uh, walking around Tajimi City in the location shown in that given episode. Uh, you can watch this wholesome goodness on Mondays on Crunchyroll. Uh, now, we're actually super lucky this season, like I said, and we not only have one cute girls doing cute things anime, but two of them. Uh, super Cubs thing is cute girls doing moped things, uh, specifically the Honda Super Cub. Now, many people say it's basically a Honda ad, and I can't really disagree with that too much, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some collaboration for sure. But the original source material really is just about the uh, ton, the mangaka Tony Koken's love and being an enthusiast for this kind of you know moped motorcycle thing. Uh, this one is actually takes place in the same area as Eurocamp Yamanashi Prefecture and follows a similar lonely girl Koguma who ends up getting a super cub and the world around her opens up as she rides her scooter around. Uh, this one has surprisingly high production value. The backgrounds and foreground elements are super highly detailed for a television show, um, and their use of color grading to match her emotions a la Wizard of Oz really stood out to me, um, as did the piano score. Uh, this one definitely has a bit of more slow-paced nature and meditative than the Mug Cup anime, um, but not in a bad way. If the Mug Cup is uh, the Nadeshiko of the anime to use Eurocamp as a metaphor, this one's definitely much more Rin. In fact, an anime about a loner girl riding a moped around the Yamanashi prefecture, uh, that's definitely Rin. Um, this one airs on Wednesdays on Funimation, so the first half of the week is already looking to be pretty comfy. The last enthusiast show is sadly not a cute girl doing cute things, but nevertheless intriguing. Masahiro no Oto, or These Snow White Notes, uh, is a series about the Japanese musical instrument of the samisen. Or at least, its main protagonist centers on the samisen and trying to find his sound after his grandfather passed away. Uh, music shows are usually a good bet for me to get hooked to, since, you know, if done well, especially since the passion of the performers can usually lead to great narratives, see Kids on the Slope, Mongolian Top Squad Beck, or Your Line April. Now, I won't spoil everything that happens in the first episode, but my main takeaway is that I needed just a little bit more to figure out where the show is going. The first 20 minutes or so could have just been a standalone OVA. Um, that would have been a nice one-shot in and of itself. How that's going to lead to a larger plot and narrative, 
I don't really know how, which is why I need more episodes. I'm hopeful, though, you know, in particular, of course, the Simonson, or of course, the Simonson music scenes that have, you know, are, are particularly enthralling. Uh, this is coming from someone who's never actually uh, really been into Simonson music. Um, this so also has vibes of the Rakugo anime, which I'll admit I still haven't seen yet, but, um, you know, I don't think I was in the right state of mind or mature enough to fully appreciate what Rakugo was offering. But there's definitely some great writing with this, similar to what Rakugo had at the time. Um, and, you know, uh, I feel that, you know, the the writing about the Samusen music is definitely going to be frame, used as a framing device uh, for a character's growth, um, similar to Rakugo. In any case, Masiro no Oto airs on Crunchyroll every Friday. Uh, also airing on Crunchyroll every Friday, uh, moving to a subsection of Enthusiast series, we kick off the sports series with Burning Kabaddi. Um, as you can tell by the title, this one is a hot-blooded series about the Indian sport of Kabaddi, which is like a mix of tag, capture the flag, and rugby, best as I can describe it. Naturally, the first episode here focuses a lot on laying out the basics of the rules of the sports, um, and the explanation I can from the explanation, I can see how we're going to get some very typical Sonen sports sequences. Uh, it centers on former soccer star Tatsuya, who wants nothing more than to be quit sports and be the world's most successful live streamer. Um, yes, that's actually a plot point here. Um, in any case, he ends up getting dragged more or less uh, to comedy practice after being scouted by some absolute units on the comedy team, which like, I always find hilarious how no matter how foreign or obscure a sport is, an anime you'll always find enough students not only at the specific school in question um, to fill an entire team, but also at rival schools as well. I'm looking at you, ISIL21. Um, anyway, typical sports anime shenanigans to see you, and he ends up on the team by the end of the episode. Obviously, the strength of this show isn't going to come from doing anything new with the sports sonen uh, formula um, as is, but rather from the specificity of the comedy sport, which is novel and interesting, as opposed to, you know, yet another baseball Kosian anime. Um, I also think it's going to be the strongest of the sports anime this season by far, so if for no other reason than for that, I'll be following along again on Crunchyroll every Friday. Now, what I won't be following is Cestus Roman Fighter. Um, that's Cestus with a V, not a U. Um, this is actually an adaptation of a manga that's from the 90s um, about fighting, fighting slaves slash boxers in the uh, Roman Empire fight pits. Now, this one is a CG anime. Not that I have anything against CG in general. Uh, I wouldn't call this X-Arm or Berserk levels of bad, but it's also nowhere near Beastars or Dora Hedero. Um, the narrative and writing is a little bit wooden, which isn't doing it any favors, and nothing about the characters or premise seem refreshing or engaging. It really feels like a lesser version of something like Vinland Saga or Kingdom or other historical series set in Europe, if that's your thing. Um, if you do want to check it out, you can do so on Wednesdays on Crunchyroll. Uh, next up, we have Sayonara Watashi no Kramer, or Farewell My Kramer. Uh, this one adapts a manga by the creator of Your Line April and focuses on the sport of women's soccer. Kramer refers to uh, Detmar Kramer, the father of modern Japanese soccer, who passed away shortly before the manga began serialization. Uh, so the author, uh, you know, sent a farewell to Kramer with this series. Um, I'm willing to give this one the benefit of the doubt, given the pedigree of the writer. Uh, based on the discussion I've seen online, this is actually a fair bit of accurate soccer playing animation going on, which shows a fair bit of passion and dedication to the project. Uh, in the same way that the fingering of the piano during your line in April was pretty accurate. I will also note that in said discussions, they. 
episode that there were 13 animation directors on the first episode alone, which does not bode well for in terms of a quality animation schedule. Um, so- soccer playing aside, there's a little bit of something off about the character models. Um, maybe it's just how they are in the manga, but I had a fair bit of trouble trying to tell the different characters apart from each other. Uh, thinking back, also there wasn't like the usual hype moments you'd expect in the sports anime to try to hook you, but then again, you can take that as a more you know uh, subtle approach to writing, uh, not necessarily a bad thing. So yeah, I think this is a case where I want to like this show, but this might end up just being on the chopping board, if only because of lack of time. Um, you can check out Farewell My Kramer on Sundays on Crunchyroll. Another sports anime I'm not 100% sure about is Bakuten, or Backflips. Uh, this one's focused on the sports of men with mixed gymnastics, as a forever on the baseball bench Sotaro finds inspiration in watching high school rhythmic gymnastics meet by chance. Um, as I'm writing this, you know, looking back, I can't point to anything bad per se. Sure, they use Suji for the gymnastics routines, but it looks pretty decent, frankly, um, and, and interspersed with 2D animation. Um, the score is provided by Yuki Hayashi, who works closely with the legendary Hiroyuki Sayama, Sawano on many different shows, but uh, Yuki Hayashi was actually originally a rhythmic gymnast himself uh, in school and fell into the music industry as he became more interested in the scores used during competitions. Uh, So this is kind of him coming back to his roots. Um, I mentally have this just below Burning Kabaddi in terms of quality, and I think it's probably not going to be quite as hot-blooded as Kabaddi, and they don't quite fully get into the explanation of how the sports works in the first episode it makes for a good or a bad rhythmic gymnastics routine beyond, you know, obviously falling. Um, but again, that makes sense given the author, the director worked on Fume Wo Amu, which is a much more subtle script as well. So I think in order to be fair, I'll need to give this another episode or two to see if it avoids some of my turnoffs when it comes to sports anime in general before following along. I don't know. It could honestly go either way um, if I either keep it or drop it. Uh, Bakuten, if you want to check it out, fo- runs on Crunchyroll late on Thursdays, meaning I'm usually watching it Friday mornings. Uh, the final sports anime is a remake of the 1997 anime of the same name, Battle Athletes, uh, specifically at Battle Athletes Restart is the new series, um, where humans are now interplanetary and send their top uh, high school teenage athletes to compete in the interplanetary Olympics for the title of Cosmic Beauty, who is... You know, I'm not really quite sure what the Cosmic Beauty does in the show, um, but that kind of shows what some of the problem is here. This one definitely wears its 90s influence on its sleeve pretty hard, which, again, isn't a bad thing per se, but may not be enough to keep it up as a, in a season as stacked as this one. It kind of looks like the girls compete in a wide number of sports as opposed to narrowly focusing in on one, so I'm curious how, they, how they'll tackle going wide but shallow as opposed to going deep like the other ones on this list. I think I'll, def- I'll definitely be one who prefers going deep in my sports anime so unfortunately I think you know I'll I'll give myself another episode to check it out but I'm likely going to be dropping Battle Athletes Restart after that Um, that said you know the main character is a potato loving girl in the mode of Sasa from Attack on Titan or Takeo from uh, Fire Force so I gotta respect that uh, so shout out to her Um, if you do want to see her potato fueled shenanigans this airs on Funimation on Saturdays Next up, we have our usual suite of shows, either that are isekai or take place in a fantasy medieval world that is very common in isekai nowadays, even if they don't actually involve anyone being transported to another world. 
The first show on this list is more the latter, Dragon Ghost House Hunting or Dragon Ie Kokao. Um, at this point, anime focusing on more of the monsters of the world as opposed to uh, you know, the humans and the heroes is nothing new. Um, the twist on this one is that the titular dragon is trying to find a new house since he's a bit of a crybaby weakling and got disowned from his family lair. Um, this one is more along the comedy route juxtapos juxtaposing the reputation that precedes a dragon against his weakness reality. Um, while we got a small bit of house hunting on his own, um, presumably the series actually focuses on an experienced elf realtor, bringing him to different locales with each location doing a bit of world building to consider the perspective on how monsters would live in a fantasy world, kind of like a bit of a Steve Irwin, David Attenborough type thing. Uh, I think that between the comedy not really being that funny to me and the dragon main character almost actually being kind of insufferable, uh, perhaps this the reality of trying to, or perhaps it's the reality of trying to find not and, uh, you know, the suitable housing in New York that's affordable, hits too close to home for me. Um, you know, this one just doesn't really make the cut for me. Um, I think I'll give it one more episode to see how the dynamic is between the elf character um, with the dragon. Um, but, you know, if you do want to have an open house with Dragon Goes House Hunting, it airs on Funimation every Sunday. So at about 30 seconds of Seven Nights Revolution, I thought to myself, hey, this looks like another one of those mobile JRPG adaptations. Looking it up, I was right. Now, these never, ever stick around with me. Um, I think the last one I can think of that I actually watched to complete was Singaki no Bamut, which was, wasn't even a strict adaptation of the game, just an adaptation of the world. So yeah, this one's definitely going to be a drop for me. Um, if you should say I'm fine, but if you, and if you so, um, check it out on Crunchyroll every Sunday. Now, earlier we talked about how Sayonara Tashi no Kramer as an adaptation of a manga by the creative your in April. Uh, Combatants Will Be Dispatched is another series by a popular writer, in this case, Natsume Atkatsuki, creator of Konosuba, where Konosuba was more focused on parodying the tropes of generic RPG isekai series. This one takes more of parodying the tropes of an evil sci-fi corporation with super soldier henchmen trying to take over the world, though it's kind of isekai in its own sort of way. Um, you can kind of see a bunch of similar comedic beats between the two uh, series. Um, you know, some screwball characters who, you know, to some degree are kind of scumbags and the causes of their own of their own failures, um, but they also are, are foiled, you know, um, yeah, foiled by their own shenanigans. Uh, starting off with the uh, unnamed Combat Agent 6 and the android Alice Kisaragi, I can see that they're likely trying to go to expand their motley crew in the quest for world domination with new cast members. Um, personally, uh, while I can appreciate what Koma Tsuba does with regard to parodying Isekai, the humor was sort of his, hit, or, hit or miss for me in general. Um, the same applies here with Combatants Will Be Dispatched. Um, it doesn't quite have the parody element either um, going for me, um, with about the same style of comedy which is hit or miss for me so i'm still undecided on this one fully if it's going to stick i need a couple more episodes um so you know again we can check this out i believe on sundays on funimation now, last year, one of the breakout hits was the season Hamifura, uh, which focused on a girl being uh, isekai to the world of her favorite Otomo uh, dating game, leading to a reverse harem situation. Um, at the time, I predicted that this would be the start of a new trend of isekai of female-focused otome, you know, reverse harem type series, um, especially given that there's a ton of source material in this category uh, in manga to be adapted. 
I think with the Saints, uh, magic power is omnipotent. We're seeing that trend come true. Um, the premise here is that the protagonist, say, is Isekai summoned to another world, seemingly by accident alongside another girl who's called the Saint. Um, the, though the way these things go, you kind of su suspect that Say is the actual Saint. Um, anyway, she ends up passing time in the palace gardens and finagles her way to working at the Royal Research Institute of, of Post-Making, basically becoming a grad student. Um, of course, with some pretty attractive males um, as her co-workers, um, you know, I think the difference between this and other reverse harem series filled with uh, pretty boys is that one, the males here see more than just flat archetypes, um, and the characters, you know, don't the characterization doesn't the character. Zayson doesn't focus solely on them, uh, and say you know seems to have a compelling, strong character separate from her romance potential romance antics. Um, you know, uh, from the very from the very little we get for her, um, possibly in the vein of you know Siryuki Hime or Akatsuki Noyona. Um, I don't know. This one seems understated on its surface, especially production quality wise. Um, it's very solid, but just not being hyped as much. Um, but it has the magnetism to do so that I can't quite fully explain. Um, but I'm very excited to try this, I think, to the very end. Um, this one airs on Funimation every Tuesday. Uh, now, in the same way that Saint's magic power continues the trend of Otome Isekai, the next series, um, Full Dive, the ultimate next-gen full-dive RPG is even sidier than real life, uh, is an extension of the more conventional Isekai subgenre of VR MMO RPGs inspired by SAO, with I believe the most recent one being Bofuri. Um, the twist here is that the game in question is so realistic that any possible power fantasy is impossible um, if you're tied to your real-life attributes in-game, even stubbing your toe, um, which in its own way may be a clever way of tackling the genre not uh the genre so criticized for you know not being nothing but power fantasy i really don't want to spoil the events that happened in the first episode when he joins the game um you know but you know uh frankly i'm kind of not but it suffice to say it kind of goes off the rails and frankly i'm not really sure where it goes from here it's not like you know as far as i can tell the protagonist isn't trapped in the game like in sort of online so What's going to be the hook to get him to continue playing this game even after uh, the kind of off-the-rails first episode? Uh, based on the OP, it looks like the answer is going to be it's going down the path of horny uh, with a lot of cute girls of varying types um, who might be turning into that kind of show. I'm not fully decided on where I come down in this series, so I'll give another couple of episodes to convince me. Uh, full dive, uh, Arrows on Fun and Mason on Wednesdays. Uh, finally, we have an isekai that has been crossing paths with cute girls doing cute things genre. Um, it's I've been killing slimes for 300 years and zoned out my level, aka the reason I need to specify which slime isekai I'm now talking about moving forward. Uh, this one actually has more of a passing resemblance to yet another slime-related isekai uh, by the grace of the gods. Uh, both feature an office worker who dies in the real world without really having had a chance to live life, um, and the deities of the, their respective worlds allow them to isekai uh, into a new world with some ex extra powers. Typical Salomon isekai stuff. Now, I actively disliked By the Grace of the Gods since I found it rather dull uh, without really any stakes or tension in its slice of life storytelling. So why am I actually kind of excited for killing slimes? Well, for one, the main character here does get an immortal unaging body from a goddess, um, but it's not like she starts off with super OP powers like the protagonist in Grace of the Gods, it's just that she kind of breaks the system through clever, you know, tactics of killing slimes for 300 years to the max out her level. In that sense, again, it reminds me of Bofuri, or maybe even the spider isekai, or even the other slime isekai, about breaking power systems in the new world. 
And even after she gets to that high level, it's not like her problem goes away completely. Um, you know, her goal in life is to live a very relaxing life and being the most powerful thing around. Um, she gets kind of screwed, like I, I kind of screws that up and she gets into pulled into all sorts of trouble. Um, in that sense, there is still some conflict going on here that you can't just be overpowered enough to to get out of. Um, this reminds me of another OP female uh, VR MMO Isekai Kuma 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 Bear, which had a similar problem to Grace of the Gods to some degree where the OPness of the character makes most conflicts seem trivial. Um, but again, here the, con the conflict isn't one that can be uh, fought out of. Um, plus, you know, to draw yet another comparison, this reminds me of another manga I'm reading, Freerun at the Funeral, about an immortal elf who outlives her party members due to her old age and the implications thereof of being so long lived. Um, you still get a compelling character story there, so I hope you can do the same with Killing Slimes here. Um, so yeah, if you can't tell, I'm pretty interested in this season, um, in this show, and I'm likely to follow along to the end, uh, or, well, pending another episode, confirming the quality will keep up. Uh, this one airs on Crunchyroll every Saturday. Now, those were all the anime set in the fictional fantasy world, but what about the anime set in the real world? Uh, this season, most of those turn out to be romances of one sort or the other. Uh, the first one in this category of real-life drama barely counts as a romance, but uh, the setup of Tokyo Avengers kind of does if you squint at it, at, if you squint it and it could count as a romance. Um, if you've watched the series Erased, this was going to sound familiar. A Tokyo resident learns that someone they care or cared about um, has died prematurely, and they are shortly after um, die themselves, uh, and make, they make a timely back uh, to their youth in school with a chance at trying to prevent said present-day death. Now, in a race, we kind of just hand-waved that the protagonist had a rewind ability to prevent accidents, and that just partially, you know, that the moving back was, a, was an extended time leap, basically. Um, but here, the protagonist, Takemichi, jumps back to his days as a middle school student delinquent for seemingly no reason. Uh, and mild spoilers, but he does try. He does try to warn his ex-girlfriend's younger brother, uh, both of whom were killed in the main timeline, um, and that they will be killed in the future. And he ends up time leaping back to the present, somehow alive again, um, only to meet a grown-up younger brother who tells him that despite trying, he was unable to keep his sister alive. Presumably, Takemichi is going to continue to go back to the past, um, but I'm not really sure the mechanism evolved and and what that means. Um, this probably that's probably the biggest thing from keeping me from fully signing onto the series which is why I need a few more episodes. But aside from that, you know, there's a lot of potential here for a good character story with the general concept of if you could go back in life and redo things, would you and how? Um, especially, you know, if this comes, if it, if it focuses more on his delinquent friends and, I don't know, maybe helping them out of their situation. Um, now, now that I say this out loud, it actually kind of reminds me of uh, the delinquent version of Stein's Gate and trying to find a good timeline. Um, in any case, Tokyo Avengers airs on Saturdays on Crunchyroll. Now, Tokyo Avengers barely counts as a as a real-life romance. After all, he doesn't even really have a relationship with his ex-girlfriend anymore, um, and then leaping isn't really common in our real world. Now, that's in the next few shows, you know, do all could feasibly happen in real life. Um, Osamake, a rom-com where the girlfriend, a childhood friend does not lose, um, is a high school romance with a promise to subvert the typical romance trope of the childhood friend losing, which you think I would be into this show since you know, I usually root for the childhood friends only to be disappointed, and Dogokobo is producing this, and they usually do good stuff uh, pretty well. That said, after the first episode, I'm real hesitant on this one. 
you know, bust out the white boy series. So the protagonist likes the school beauty, but is a one-sided quest. Um, and he and when he con- uh, and when he confesses, it turns out that he, that the school beauty already has a boyfriend. Separate from that, the main protagonist also has a childhood friend who's also uh, a popular girl in her own right. Um, and she really likes him, but she confessed to him. Um, but because he's tunnel vision on this beauty girl that he likes, um, he ends up turning his best friend down. Um, so after the uh, in his despondency after getting rejected, um, the childhood friend proposes that he, they pretend to be a couple, maybe to like make the the girl jealous, the other girl jealous, despite the other girl already having a boyfriend who she presumably already likes. Um, so and the childhood friend only does this in order to not really try to help the friend, but you can all tell she's doing it to try to convince the boyfriend, hey, I'm or the boy, hey, I'm going to end up being a great girlfriend. Just give, let me just let this be your trial run. Um, yeah, you can kind of tell by the tone of my voice. Uh, I really don't like the way this is going. Um, it's just another, you know, uh, high school immature high school show where they can't communicate clearly um, or they can't respect other people's feelings properly. Um, in fact, the guy kind of fe- feels like feels kind of insulty almost, which is really creepy to me. Um, anyway, um, you know, which you know. If I don't like your characters in general, right? How can I be invested in the romance? You know, plus knowing how these things go, I bet, I bet that the that the titular childhood friend, um, another childhood friend will show up at some point in the series that they, oh, you had multiple childhood friends, so a childhood friend is going to win, but not, but some people are still going to lose, and yeah, I'm not all, I'm not about that. Um, anyway, the more I talk about this, the more I'm convinced that I'm pretty much dropping it, um, which I think it's I'm going to do. So that said, if this is your Jan, you know, check this out on Wednesdays on Crunchyroll. Now, if you can believe it, among the romances of the season, there's one I like even less, um, or so-called romances. Uh, Koikimo, or Koito Yobu ni na wa Kimochi wa Warori, is this, or it's disgusting to call this love, is a so-called romance about a high school girl who helps a woman that, who helps a womanizing salaryman one day from falling downstairs, and he ends up falling for her at first sight. Um, she understandably is kind of creeped out, but it turns out that he's the brother of her best, her so-called best friend. Um, now, that's just to tell his her brother to fuck off uh, and not about her friend, but he see it enables him to basically harass the poor girl with his so-called attempts to woo and court her. Like I'm normally not one to pearl clutch about prob- problematic situations in shows, but this one has red flags all over. Older salaryman questing on a young high school girl. Bzz, uh, sad, a uh, said high school girl trying to tell him to stop, but he keeps going and not re- respecting her consent. Bzz, uh, what? Ha- yeah, uh, you know, this one just feels kind of gross and dirty all around. And well, maybe there's something cultural here that you know is played off for laughs. I'm not laughing. Um, you know, if you really want to check this out for yourself, uh, this airs on Mondays on Crunchyroll. Now, most people can probably be on the on the board that Koi Kimo is kind of creepy. Uh, however, this next show, which, spoilers, I'm dropping, is extremely popular and most people will vouch for it. Uh, kind of how a few seasons back, everyone loved Tonikawa, but I just thought it had one of the worst premises. Um, anyway, I'm talking about Ijiwanade uh, Nagatoro-san or um, something bullying Nagatoro, I, I don't know. Um, this is the latest in a series of popular ko- uh, Kohai bullying senpai series, such as Teasing Master Togaki and Uzaki-chan uh, wants to hang out. While I haven't seen the first one, I did make my way through Uzaki-chan just barely. What got me through that were A, the characters were all college age and more or less acted like adults. Uh, B, you could tell that Uzaki's teasing came from a place of real affection from the get-go. Um, for uh, And then C, even if Senpai was kind of annoyed, it was pretty apparent early on that he appreciated her in his own way. Uh, and then, you know, D, the side characters really helped make the show super enjoyable. Um, 
So, you know, Nagato Rasana has none of these things. You know, this is set in high school with all the usual drama. Well, I could see that supposedly in the future there are developments that say, oh, she liked him all along and that's why she's teasing him. Um, we don't get any of that in the first season. Um, the senpai, you know, is definitely not having fun at all. He has no spine even to, like, stand up for himself, which I, you know, at the very least, Nuzaki-chan, the senpai was able to, you know, put fight to fight back to some degree. Um, and, you know, the, so, so far it's just focused on these two um, with no reprieve from them and you know and the stuff that I don't really enjoy. So because the show is so intensely focused on these two, there's no reprieve from it. Um, you know, I will still give it credit though. The animation and the backgrounds are gorgeous to look at, uh, which is a bit of a shame given I'm again going to be dropping this. Um, if I barely made it through Izaki Chan, there's no way Nagatoro san is going to be for me. Um, Anyway, uh, like I said, this is a super popular show, so if you want to check it out, uh, it'll be on Crunchyroll on Saturdays. Now, it may seem like I dislike every romance this season uh, if Tokyo Avengers doesn't count as romance. Um, that's not strictly true, though I guess this one might not be a romance either. Um, Hikihiro, short for Hiki Osoru Soshitse Joshi Kise or, or Hiru, or after being rejected, I saved and took in a high school runaway, um, you know, may sound sus as fuck, but it's actually quite wholesome. Uh, I actually read a few chapters of the manga adaptation in... Um, of the light novel a while back, so I knew what I was getting into here. Basically, our male protagonist, you know, gets turned down after confessing to his boss that he likes her. On his way home from being rejected and drinking, uh, he finds a high school girl chilling uh, on the, in the streets under a lamp uh, with no place to go. Um, after she offers to let him sleep with her in exchange for a place to stay, he turns her down while selling her stay at home, aka the right thing to do. Um, turns out she's a runaway from Hokkaido who's been pulling that stunt of you know uh, of selling essentially selling her body for rent uh, for six months at a, or for the past six months. Um, and you know the protagonist more or less becomes a father figure for her as he tries to help rehabilitate her warped sense of self worth while presumably having to deal with his own office romance issues. Um, from what I can see, it never goes the way of them falling for each other um, and for, stays firmly in the mentor protege found family type situation um you know project number nine uh animates sayu the girl really well and we can see her smiling and laughing it really gives you the sense that this is a smile you must protect um i do need to refresh to see how the office romance shenanigans play along but there's a good chance that this one stays in the rotation this season um you can watch this on mondays on crunchyroll now up to the point, I've been mostly talking about shows in the context of their premise. However, some shows coast by not on the strength of their premise, but more on the strength of their aesthetic and technical execution. Uh, the next seven shows are all of those uh, that have more the more interesting looks of the season uh, that literally caught my eye. Uh, first up, we have The World Ends With You, the animation. Uh, this one adapts the 2007 Nintendo DS game of the same name from Square Enix that also had a mobile port in 2012 and a Nintendo Switch port in 2018 with a sequel planned for later this year in July. So that series is one, this series has at least one part of promotion uh, slash professor of the series ahead of that re-release or new release. Now I had played The World Edge with you way back then so I never finished the game. I don't really remember what happened and you know frankly given how much free time I have nowadays, i.e. none, I'm like, not likely to put in the 20th hours to beat the game. That being said, I always did appreciate the series for having a real unique visual style 
and look and sound. Why do you think this can be something that Nomura makes anyway? Um, you know, I'm often a sucker for series set in Subia uh, just because of the distinct street style and atmosphere it provides. And while I can't say one way or another whether this is actually a good adaptation or not, it feels kind of rushed to be honest, um, since I never finished the story. If there's one element that ports over well, it's that unique looking style. And since I've always wanted to experience the, the world and the story, if I'm not going to be playing the game, I figure I might as well, you know, check along with this adaptation if it's faithful. Um, the world ends with you, airs on Fridays on Funimation. Next up, we have a show that honestly kind of befuddles me. Uh, Mars Red descripts and paints a 1920s steampunk Japan vampire hunter story, but while that may read as though it's an action-packed show, the first episode doesn't particularly bear that out. Instead, we get a very slow-burn thriller that heavily relies on the audience understanding a play by Oscar Wilde's Salome. Um, researching and finding this out was based, this, this whole show was based on a stage reading play of a play, um, so the heavy literary focus makes sense. I worry somewhat that the series may be a little too academic for me um, and too literary to really understand and enjoy, so I'm giving another episode to see if I have the patience and the brains for it. Uh, if not, nothing against it, so I'm just too dumb for it. Um, plot and writing aside, the art style is super interesting with like a, a super like a, a flat manuscript style, again, appropriate with the uh, literary themes here. Uh, some I've seen uh, compared to Monogatari series, which while I haven't seen, seems about right. Uh, the camera angles and music just scream art house at me here. Uh, you can check this out to see if the aesthetic and the uh, literary focus appeal to you on Funimation on Face. Another historical series with an underlying mystery this season is Joran, the Princess of Blood and Snow. Uh, this one is set in an alternate 1930s Japan, under the Meiji period where a mysterious substance known as Dragon's Blood allows the Shogunate to accelerate the technological development, which leads to anti-Shogun rebels. Uh, to counteract this, the Shogunate puts together a secret police used to deal with rebellions, uh, which the story follows this force. Now, this one is a bit heavy on the, su uh, the subterfuge, and I can't say I'm fully hooked by the story, which takes cues from the 1973 film uh, Lady Snowbird Blood, which inspired Quentin Tarantino to make Kill Bill. Uh, what I can say, though, is that the animation during the combat sequences sifts from the normal style and is absolutely gorgeous, going into heavier calligraphy-like inclines, um, kind of like a living painting with intensely desaturated colors, aside from a splash of a highlight color. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it a few episodes to hook me on the story, and if, you know, the otherwise standard animation can keep up and maybe yields to the more gorgeous combat animation more often um you know if things come together i should be watching this um joran can be found on crunchyroll on tuesdays uh, the next season is Sato's House. Um, like everything discussed, discussed so far, it's very visually interesting, even though I frankly have no idea what's going on. Uh, presumably, there's some mystery where uh, silhouetted Sato people live in a Victorian manor, who have these, and they have these living dolls, which I think are really human, uh, serving them as mirrors as well as actual servants. Now, nothing is really explained, and most of the focus is on trying to see how living doll and Sato person interact. I'm presuming at some point down the line they'll actually try to give us a plot to explain what the saddle people are and what the, what their deal is um presumably again i've heard i know i've heard that this is a lot of similarities to the first seasons of, of promise neverland perhaps not as high but definitely a lot more consistent after the sec especially after the second season um so yeah uh, i'm going to give it a couple more episodes to draw me into the mystery um and if only because the use of silhouette here is pretty interesting as a characterization device as well uh, saddle's house uh, airs on saturdays on funimason 
Uh, moving to something slightly more contemporary than the Victorian period or Meiji era Japan, we have Blue Reflection Ray. Uh, this is based on an RPG of the PlayStation era from 2017. Uh, I honestly had a bit of trouble following the story between trying to keep all the different characters straight due to their frankly odd art style um, and a plot I couldn't tell you anything about if I if I really tried at this point without rewatching it. You can probably tell I'm not super jazzed about this one. Uh, the big thing I remember is that there's definitely something about magical girls and the art style kind of reflects that you know Sojo-ish style with a lot of really soft palettes. Um, I couldn't quite place it where but again the pastel colors um, at least seem interesting. That said, again, I don't think it's enough to stand out uh, for me, and the plot certainly wasn't. So I think this one's going to be a drop for me. If you think you might like Magical Girls, so, though, uh, check it out on Fridays on Funimation. Uh, so very similar to Magical Girls, though, is Magical Boys uh, through Fairy Ranmaru. Now, if you've seen any of the key art for this, you can tell that this that the ones this is one for those who are into hot dudes. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I occasionally enjoy a show with hot dudes myself. That said, you know it can't be the only thing that draws me in. Uh, the premise here is that some hot fairies are sent from their world to our world to run a host club where they try to farm attachments uh, to feed their queen or something like that. Um, and they have very explicit rules against having romance with members of the opposite gender, but nothing about men, uh, about romances with members of the same gender. Um, anyway, uh, things happen, and then there's a battle, which I would call them subconscious, against the subconscious desires of, of you know, some twisted people, um, you know, given form, kind of like Persona or Psychonauts, um, is quite a visual, floating eyeballs and whatnot, kind of like a modern art piece, um, and it doesn't even cover the magical girl style transformations they have, where the hot fairies turn into even hotter fairies to do battle. Uh, this show is exactly what it wants to be, and isn't afraid to go for it, not my cup of tea, but if it's yours, you can watch it on Fridays on Funimation. Uh, the final show in this category is Pretty Boys Detective Club, which, as you can tell, is also focused around Pretty Boys, uh, specifically the Pretty Boy Detective Club of Yubiwa Academy Middle School, which has three rules. One, be pretty. Two, be a boy. Three, be a detective. Uh, in the first episode, they are signed on by detective classmate Mayumi Dojima to um, solve a case about a star from 10 years ago. Uh, and you're introduced to the members of this club, who are indeed very pretty, all boys and detectives. Now, this one has tones of clamp school detectives or, or in high school close club. Um, in fact, the main protagonist access the same voice actress as the female lead of Oran. Uh, the other show that this reminds you of is the Monogatari series, which, you know, even though I hadn't seen the series so myself from clips, um, I do recognize that the resemblance is uncanny between the weird angles and the character designs and backgrounds. Again, not a big surprise considering that the writer um, of the light novels of Pretty Boy Detective Club, Nishio Isin, is the same author of the Monogatari series and that the same studio that worked and director that worked on Monogatari Saft uh, is behind this adaptation as well. So, at the very least, you know you're getting a very, very unique looking show. I can't say if the out there-ness of Nisio Isin is quite for me. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to see Monogatari first, frankly, to even get a sense of that. Um, that said, you know, I, I will give this another episode to wrap up the first two-part episode opening arc before making my final decision. Uh, if you know you're going to be for all things Saft and Monogatari, uh, you can watch the Pretty Boy Detective Club shenanigans on Funimation every Saturday. 
Now, there are four more stoves left that could feasibly fit into other categories. That said, I have these set aside as my top uh, sequel stoves of the season, at least for the for, based on the first episode. And while I haven't shared them yet, for each so shared this for each so I give a one to five rating um, or drop or or sequel. Um, and those are these are the only new shows to get a five out of five for me. Um, these are in no particular orders. So let's see what the early front runners for uh, anime of the season might be. Uh, as we talked about, a number of shows this season so far have authors famous for other works. Uh, Sayonara with Harrison no Kramer from the maker of Your Lion April, Combatants Will Be Dispatched from the maker of Konosuba, and Pretty Little Detective Club from the maker of Monogatari. Uh, one of these top picks is in a similar situation with the makers of ReZero, uh, Tape Nagatsuki, writing uh, Vivi Floride Eyes Song, um, and what's more, he's partnering with uh, Studio Wit of Attack on Titan and Great Pretender fame to do it. Um, the story follows Vivi, an autonomous singing AI in a theme park who suddenly is visited by an AI claiming uh, to be from the future who says that in a hundred years AIs will rise up against other human overlords and kill them all and it's up to her to save the day by altering history. Again, another timeline uh, altering story. Um, you know, also, you, um, you know, also she needs to try to figure out as he's like a singing uh, and a theme park AI how to help humans, uh, you know, enjoy her music which is her goal in life which you can't enjoy her music if you're dead um anyway this is terminator but with arnold being played by hatsune miku instead um there's a lot to good to say here obviously again the premise is really interesting but on top of that the writing isn't half bad with excellent pacing throughout the first episode uh the art is beautiful and highly detailed especially in their shots of the eyes uh, without affecting the action sequences without even mentioning the action sequences that take place um overall you know there's real no quibbles for me that i have with this show when it comes to vivi um which is exceedingly rarer and rarer as the more anime I watch. Um, so I'm excited to see how the story will progress over the next several episodes. You can follow along on Saturdays on Funimation. Um, another series with a story pedigree is Fumetsu no Anata-e, or To Your Eternity. Uh, this one comes from a manga written by the same writer as the source material of the movie A Silent Voice, uh, Yoshitiki Oima. A uh, Silent Voice was arguably the best anime film of 2017, which was the same year Your Name came out, mind you, uh, which gives this a lot of goodwill writing-wise for me. Um, and what we do get the first episode completely lives up to the promise, even if it's a completely different genre. I think sharing a bit of spoilery context here is, is appropriate, so... You've been warned, uh, but but you know basically what happens is that uh, there's an alien orb which crashes into Earth and can assume the shapes of things it comes in contact with, uh, from a stone to moss to eventually a wolf uh, who's injured and shortly dies after touching him. Um, in the new wolf form, the alien entity comes across a boy who previously owned the wolf, um, who's by himself on the frozen tundra, uh, who has a dream of setting out for the south to reunite with his family. Um, by the end of the season, by the end of the episode, well, I'm not going to go into full spoilers, but suffice to say, um, it kind of sets up a Musisi or Kino's journey or journey of Elena style story where um, you know the boy and, and and the wolf end up traveling uh, through the world and and try to come across different people and kind of the impact they have on them. Um, so yeah, uh, off of the writing alone on this, which it doesn't even look half bad, um, I'm I'm finding this to be super engaging. So you can, you can follow the journey along on Crunchyroll every Monday. Uh, one of the other top series is the series 86. Uh, this one is a sci-fi world where wars take place entirely by way of unmanned domes piloted by handlers from the safety of the capital ruling over 85 districts. 
Except the truth is that those drones are actually not unmanned and they're piloted by humans from the secret 86th district who are pretty much considered not human and, you know, merely bossed around by said handlers. Um, at this point, this feels very Full Metal Alchemist uh, in terms of military power structure combined with a bit of Hunger Games uh, for good measure. Uh, add in some Gundam iron-blooded orphans with the 86th district humans being a pretty diverse crew who seem to have good chemistry together despite their silly situation um, and you've got me, you have me a brew. Um, now, one of the protagonists is a handler for this cap from the capital who actually treats her charges as human, which is a bit oddity for someone in her position. Uh, she's eventually assigned to the elite squad of soldiers, codenamed Spearhead, including the leader, codenamed Undertaker, who reportedly is able to incur suicide and insanity among those handling them. Um, off, off of that premise alone, uh, we've got a pretty compelling story. Add on the high production quality that Aor Pictures always delivers, uh, and again, pretty decent writing, and this is more, the, the writing being more so than tell, um, this is definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, 86 Arrows on Saturday uh, on Crunchyroll. Uh, this final series is going to draw a lot of parallels to BNA and Beastars and even Agretchiko. Um, it's not exactly hard to see why. Odd Taxi is, well, an odd little show about a world full of animals focusing on a misanthropic walrus taxi driver. Not quite the best fit career-wise, but um, if the show were just him interacting and dealing with different writers, um, that would be engrossing enough if I'd had the same level of writing we have now. Completely natural, um, some thought-provoking you know, conversations going on uh, in there that kind of challenges your view, which is a bit of a rarity in anime. Um, props to the subtitles for also doing a great job as well. And while obviously the taxis are based on those in Japan, I can't help but get a sense of nostalgia for New York cabs. Um, you know, with our, especially with our lead Urukawa being a bit of a rough around the edges kind of guy. Um, so yeah, on top of that, we get a you know potential mystery in the background with world building happening organically. Um, but again, everything is super well written and nothing is super explicitly told. Just enough is on screen for the audience to try and piece together, um, proving that the uh, the writers think that was smart, which is something I can always appreciate. Um, add on a very distinct style and possibly the best OP of the season at first glance. This is definitely one of the top four anime of the season. Um, it's my it's my early pick for for favorite overall. Uh, you can check out uh, the oddness over on Crunchyroll every Monday. All right, we're just around hitting the one hour mark and we've finally covered all 55 series. So just a quick recap: uh, there are eight series on Netflix. Five leftovers, one short, one OVA, and one only monthly uh, that I'm going to be following along from last season. Uh, one short, uh, four sequels I am watching, uh, four sequel, seven sequels I'm not watching, uh, seven shows I'm dropping off of the bat, 15 shows that I need to see more of, and then eight shows that I'm locked in on. Um, this means if I'm trying to fit to my 15 full-length shows, uh, between the two full-length weekly series, four sequels and eight shows, I'm locked in on already. Um, I'm already at 14, so there's going to be a lot of competition among the 15 shows left over. Realistically, it's probably one out of six to nine or so, uh, since there are six that I'm likely to kind of drop off the bat already. Uh, of the shows I haven't dropped and not on Netflix or on OVA, 18 are on Crunchyroll, 13 on Funimation, and 1 on YouTube. Uh, by day of week, uh, Monday is the most stacked, with 6 shows for me to watch. Um, those are Yakunaragama Cup Mo, Art Taxi, Fumetsu no Nata E, and Gloomy Naughty Grizzly, and I Saved and, and Picked Up a High School Girl, all on Crunchyroll with Mars Red, also there on Funimation on, on Mondays. On Tuesdays, we have Crunchyroll with Slime Diary spinoff and Joran Princess of Blood and Snow, um, while Funimation has Saint's Magic Power is omnipotent. Uh, on Wednesday, Funimation only day with a Super Cup 
and full dive RPG is crappier than reality. And on Thursday, we have One So Zombieland Saga Season 2 on uh, Crunchyroll. Friday is super packed uh, with eight SOS, um, I believe, uh, which with uh, Kumo Deso Ga Nani, uh, the, the Spider Isekai from Crunchyroll, Boarding Kabadi, Masivo no Oto, and Bakuten on Crunchyroll as well, as well as SSSS Dino Zenon, Back Arrow, The World Ends With You on uh Funimation and then D4DJ being Petite Mix being the lone um, uh, YouTube so- sort. Uh, and on Saturday, we have eight more shows, um, with uh, the Quentinville shows being My Hero Academia Season 5, 86, uh, 300 Years of Killing Slimes, and Tokyo Revengers, with the other four coming from Funimation, Vivi Floored, I Sung, Pretty Boy Detective Club, Sado's House, and Battle Athletes uh, Restart. Um, and then on Sunday, we have uh, three shows currently, uh, Crunchyroll with Sayonara with Hasi no Kramer, and then Funimation with Dragon Ghost House Hunting, and Combatants will be dispersed. Plus, we have the, our monthly show, uh, Maiko-san, Chi no Kamunai, and again, our dropped shows as of right now are Koi Kimo, Seven Nights Revolution, Fairy Ranmaru, Blue Reflection Ray, Ijirande Nagatoro, Rom-Com Friend, Childhood Friend Doesn't Lose, um, and Sesta's Roman Fighter. <sighs> okay. Uh, with all of that, that brings this episode to close. Finally, congratulations to us for hitting one year, um, and for me for finishing all of these shows, which is madness. Uh, which shows of tw- spring 2021 have caught your interest? Uh, which ones should I keep watching, and which ones maybe I should I drop? Um, am I a madman again for trying to put myself through all this? Probably, but it's nice to hear that you know I'm not maybe from you guys. Um, you can let me know what you think on over on Twitter at yet pod or via email at yet another anime podcast at gmail.com. You can follow my my anime list on uh, NinjaBoy333, Boy with an I, as well as you can follow us on all the major podcast services, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, share this with another anime-loving friend. It really helps. If you want to more directly support the show, you can do so via Patreon. uh, Links in the show notes. Um, intro and outro music is by Suichi Sakagami at Tandas.com. Editing production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. We air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Uh, next time on yet another anime podcast, I haven't fully decided what I'm actually doing. Um, so you can have you have that suffice to look forward to. But in any case, until then, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang. <laughs>